just getting started, but it's going to get deeper as we go. This is first Sunday, and um, first Sundays are the Sundays that we uh, honor the Lord's command. As often as you eat this meal and drink this cup, remember me. And so we, we've chosen that every first Sunday, as the family of God, we would eat this meal and drink this cup together. Um, but I'm not sure that you understand. When Jesus set this up, it was at the table, what we call the table of the Lord, that the most critical conversations happened. If you look in the scripture and just check out in Matthew and Mark, in Luke, it is amazing the kinds of conversations that happened at that table. The destinies of the disciples were decided in the conversations that were taking place at the table of the Lord. Real talk is what we call it. Real talk means I'm going to divulge to you the inner conversation that you don't hear. We have a, an outer conversation which all of us engage in, but the inner conversation of the things that are being said on the inside. You know, the conversations you were having with your parents when they, when they were getting on you, the things you really wanted to tell your parents, you had sense enough not to let that conversation out. Some of you are alive today because you kept that conversation to yourself. In all personal relationships, conversation, communication is vital. In fact, you can't have a meaningful relationship with anybody without crucial conversations the Bible calls that prayer when it comes to God your relationship with God my relationship with God is based on our conversation with him and not just one way his with us he was demonstrating for us the way God desires family to be We've forgotten the meaning of family. We're mixed up in the roles of family. We don't even understand heaven's goals for the family. Most of our trouble, our, our, our trial, most of our, our tra trauma comes from family. Psychologists say the deepest hurts in our hearts, the most lasting injuries, pains come from family. Talk to psychiatrists, they'll tell you. When they give you the lowdown of what they're talking to their clients about, what needs to be healed, 99% of them is about relationships. Difficult, tough, circumstance that people conversations that people have had with each other 
I bet if I asked you, can you remember the hardest conversation you've ever had with your brother, your sister, your father, if in fact he was even there? Your mother, every woman here today, when she was a teenager, remembers some vital conversations that took place between she and her mama. Can you not remember? You realized whether or not you were heard or not, understood or not. And of course, I know you understood her because she would say something like, do you hear me? Unfortunately, today I wish there were more men who remembered the conversations between them and their dad. But unfortunately, we are looking at a generation whose most of the dads were never there. So their conversations were null and void. It was one way in your heart what you wished would happen. Why didn't this happen? Why weren't you there? How is it that others have a functioning dad, and I don't. The most vital conversations of your life happen with your family. And the primary ones are with mom and dad. We're in a crisis right now because today we don't even know the definition of a mom or a dad. I'm listening to foolishness that says that men can have children. Lord, have mercy. Oh, I got the clips. If you want them, I can send them to you. You sit there with your mouth gapped up like my mouth is gapped up. You're not, you're not for real. Really? Seriously? We're in a time, it's such a crucial, it's such a crucial divide until we don't even know the definition of a woman. Let alone the definition of a man. Oh, God, help us the definition of a, of a mom or dad. And God knows we're messed up when it comes to what a sister and a brother is. And yet Jesus came to restore and to heal and to find that which was lost. His, one of his main goals was to heal the family. One of the ways he would do that is help define what the family is. It's an amazing thing to me when you have a man who's growing a beard and puts on boobs. And calls himself, I identify as a woman. Ask your neighbor, have we lost our minds? I'm amazed. And I've been, I've been watching, I actually have been watching, and, and I, well, I, I've been watching television, and watching television, looking for something. And as I've been watching television and looking, I am shocked, I'm shocked. I'm, I'm shocked with the confusion 
of the simplest thing called gender. And I'm listening to so-called educated people talk about gender. gender is a social construct rather than a divine and a heavenly creation. We are so mixed up. And, and now we live in the, in the polite generation where nobody wants to upset anybody. So if someone comes and they, ha and they, and they have a deep voice and that masculine chin and the beard growing out and their hair is long and they have, and they have created... Uh, Lord Jesus, help me. I'm, I'm trying to be tactful. The boobs and, 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 and they've augmented but. Lord help me and they've had surgeries and they talk with a deep voice and they say I want you to call me I want you to call me a woman so beloved I'm caught in a dilemma I don't know about you but I'm caught in a dilemma so you know the, the, the cultural norm I don't want to offend anybody then I, thought, I got to think about it Willie actually you don't have a right to offend me You don't have the right to demand that I embrace your foolishness. Some people would be really angry with me if I, if I spoke this way to them. They're, they're, they're confused because people who are engaging in this nonsense are deceived. It by no means erases the love of God for people. Unfortunately, we are in a place right now where family is, oh, by the way, it doesn't take much for you to, doesn't take much reading for you to check out. If you destroy the family, you've destroyed the culture. If you destroy mom, dad, sister, brother, you have just dismantled the whole nation. How you define those things will determine the health of family. How you define those relationships will define your future. And we're dealing with it. I don't know if you I don't know if you've dealt with it. So when I've been watching television, I've been counting how many commercials are are how many commercials are how many commercials are subtly I was looking at a commercial for you know you know if you take this particular medicine it actually it helps your conscious and con your your con your 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 your, your cognitive yes and and the, and, the, and, the, and the commercial is showing two men sitting there as lovers Oh, I mean, we're not talking about young men. We're talking about old cut. had gray beards. And they, they, you know, they just so tender with each other. And I'm going, I'm, I want to throw up. I'm, I'm, first of all, I'm thankful to God that I still want to throw up because some people become so insensitized by it that they don't even care. They're just like, oh, that's the way things are. Are you serious? Jesus came. He came. You know, he said, he came that I might have life and I might have that life abundantly. But you can't have life if you don't have relationship. 
Some of us are, this is close to home for many of us because even our own children who are, have been and are being programmed by our educational system to redefine sex. And many of us have, our grandchildren now are being told at kindergarten, Lord Jesus, they're being taught at grade school levels that they can be any sex they want. Whatever you feel like. Man, if you did whatever you felt like in your home growing up, if you grew up in a relatively traditional home, if you did whatever you felt like, somebody behind was blistered. Are you all there? You know, my, my uh, son, my, my, my youngest son got into my wife's cosmetics. He, uh, I hope I didn't offend you. Are you leaving because I said something like that? Oh, God, thank you so much. I, I'm asking these days. I mean, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm asking because, you know, you do, some, and some, sometimes you don't know. I had an, I'll tell you about my son in a minute. I remember my wife and I just a few, no, she wasn't with me. I was by myself. They set up an appointment for me to go get uh, uh, an ID, a, a different kind of ID. And when I went on the Army base to do that, uh, I went through all the protocol and I got to the, to the desk and, and the person behind the desk was, was trying to help me. Well, uh, I didn't know what I was doing so the person was asking me, do I have an appointment with so-and-so? And I didn't know what she was saying or what, what he was saying. And I said, no, sir, I don't know. And when I said, sir, oh my God, she got in, she looked at me like, you know, and the, and the helper looked at me like, And I realized that the person who was addressing me was not male, but they were dressed in army uniform. And um, all the women here will understand this was compressed, and 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 and, and the hair was was um, and 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 then under the cap, you know. And and, and it was you know I thought with first impression she was a man. And I said, yes, sir, because I was being polite. I got that glaring, yeah. And I realized, oh, man, I've, I've really offended this person. And I, and I, you know, I got, I changed my posture. I said, please forgive me. I was straight dead in her eyes. She, she knew I meant it. I said, please forgive me. And she looked at me, glaring back with me, and gave my papers back to me. <laughs> and I, I went ahead and filled it out, and, I, walked, and I, I came back to her, and I looked at her, and I said, please forgive me. And she kind of melted. By the time I left, she's my friend. So you just go right out here, turn around here, and go right there, go in there. I said, thank you. But my son... I say that to say it's not, it's, it's easy to offend people today because of this foolishness. My son one day got in my wife's uh, uh, oil and I had oil because it, it, it really smells good, you know. So she, he got oil from, he looked like a greasy pig. He had, he had oil from his head all down, face shining like a, Lord. and I said, you've been, she said, in my wife. <laughs> My wife said she didn't want to do nothing about herself because I think she wanted to kill him. So she said, because uh, it was a really expensive oil. And she said, uh, 
you know, I know somebody's in trouble when she said, Flynn, whichever she called me, Flynn. Uh, yeah, Flynn, come ahead and get your son. Oh, Lord, what he done now? He ready to come in and get your son? And she was like, you know, I, I don't want because I'm going to choke him. I don't want to know. So I said, <laughs> I'm looking at him. He's sitting there looking at it, smelling so good. <laughs> Grease all over his head. <laughs> I said, I said, I said, I said, son, uh, son, you, uh, have you been in my, have you been in your, have you been in, in your mama's oil? No. <laughs> No. <laughs> so, oh no. I mean, you know, when when they back in the eyes go back in the head and it's like looking back and they start backing up, you know, you uh, no, he no. So I needed some wisdom at that point. I said, I said, uh, I said, uh, I said, son, uh, I said, son, what what happens? What happens to little boys when they tell lies? Boy, then my eyebrows got low. He, he lowered that head, and then he had a spark of inspiration. He, my wife said, because she listens to, he listens to my messages. So he got his head down like this, and then he lifted up, and he said, they get forgiven. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry, yeah, she reminded me. The actual words he said is, they get grace. Man, what am I going to do? I can't kill him. I can't hit him. So I had to, I had to think, the so Holy Ghost, help me right now. I said, grace only comes to those who repent. Then he said, oh. <laughs> I, had to be, uh, I had to be dad. And I didn't want to. I didn't want to discipline in a way, him in a way that he starts to doubting whether he's male or female. Are you hearing me? And I, I, I have a feeling in my guts that some of us have done that to our children. We've added to their confusion by not confirming who they are. We haven't had the critical conversation. I'm convinced that this confusion we're experiencing is because daughters have not had that conversation with their dads. Sons have not had that conversations with their dads or their moms. The family's ripping apart and we're suffering because of it. If you're a parent and you've got a teenager, I know you're suffering. Because the moment they're old enough to do what they want, the moment they get old enough to have a different view than you, they've been going to church all their life because you made them, you have beat them if they didn't come. They can go to church and never receive your God. We thought if we could just get him in church, it's enough. It's not. We have to have some critical, some crucial conversations. 
many of us as parents, we, 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 we didn't have the conversations because we were still dealing with our own personal pain. In fact, one of the biggest, one of the biggest challenges we have, we don't know how to talk to each other. I'm making this declaration today that the time has come and that season is right now where the Lord is, is restoring families. I, I'm here to make a proclamation today that, that the last great, the great proclamation and promise of the Old Testament that, that was spoken by Malachi, he said, when I come, that spirit of Elijah, I'm going to send that spirit and I'm going to turn the heart of the fathers to the children and I'm going to turn the heart of the children to the fathers. And if I could use my translation, and I'm going to lift the curse from the earth. Crucial conversations are so hard. One reason why conversations are so hard, so hard because real, where you, what you really believe and what you really think comes out when you, when you speak. Out of the abundance of the heart, come on, the mouth speaks. What I want to draw us to today is the conversations that Jesus had with his disciples at the table of the Lord. Consider the way they spoke to each other. One of them that really intrigues me, that just wigs me out, is Judas is sitting right there at the table among the twelve. Planning in his heart what he's going to do. The other disciples are there, and they all, all of them had reasonable doubt, wouldn't you? If you follow the master and all this time, all great things, miracles happening, people following. Some of them were with him in the toughest conversations that he had, sitting at the table in the home of the people that he visited. Some of the greatest conversations you can ever read. And he's popular and people are pressing in to see him. But now at this stage, politics has entered into the picture. And he's now a threat to the powers that be. So they've decided to take his life. And he's no longer popular. And they tried to, they tried to kill him at least a couple of times and he passed through the crowd, the Bible says. So now they're behind closed doors in the place he designated a safe place before this meal and he's talking to them and he says some troubling things. He said, you know what, I, um, I'm gonna put it in my, in my, in my um, language. This is the last time I'm gonna eat this meal with you until, until my kingdom has come. He told them before time, said, they, I got to go to Jerusalem because uh, there they're going to take me. They're going to mistreat me. They're going to crucify me. But, but, but don't worry. I'm going to raise again on the third day. Crucial conversation. I'm going to rise again on the third day. How many of you know that went over their heads? They thought he was, I don't know, I don't know what they, they, they say he was talking. He was talking spiritual language. We don't really know, you know. We, we know what you said is true, but we don't understand it. So we just we're not even going to ask. We're not even going to ask the question. 
Have you ever had conversations with people? They said something was really heavy, but you didn't, you know, you didn't, you just kind of passed away. Yeah, 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 right, right. And they're down at this, uh, at the, they're down at the wire now. The time has come. Jesus knows that his, uh, his sacrifice is about to begin. And they're all around that table. So what he's saying to them is so important because he knows he's not going to eat that meal that way with them until he's come through hell. <laughs> Literally. Judas decides uh, money's more important than relationship. He decides monetary gain will get me much more of what I want than living in this relationship with him. In fact, if I deny him, I can get this money. The other disciples were probably thinking, we followed you when it's good and, and we knew you were going to usher you talk about your kingdom. We, you know, even the position we were going to have in your kingdom but now you're not very popular right now so they're kind of thinking what I don't know what we're going to do now at least Peter decides Lord I'm not, I'm not going anywhere else because Jesus gave him a chance to get out you leaving too Peter said where are we going you have the words of life and he's, he's speaking boldly right in that, in that time when they were talking around this, this table and Jesus is giving them, actually, they don't realize it then. They only realize it later. A prophetic demonstration of his life and their life together. So, he's sitting there. there I, I want to challenge you to read. So this won't be an hour here, me speaking to you about it. I want to challenge you to read the, read the read the um, read the sections where Jesus is just talking to them, and, and 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 don't forget the setting. They're all prostrate, prostrate. That's right. That's the right one. The other one, yeah, that's me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 they're comfortable, and it's bread. And it's wine. And they're having some serious conversation. So I think what I want to do is, is tell you that <laughs> what he's saying to them at that point is so incredibly life-changing and important. Because Jesus is making a serious risk now. The three years of pouring my life into these men could all come to an end and could all come to nothing if they don't hold steady over the next 72 hours. So what he speaks to them about is really important. I mentioned Judas because sitting there at the table, and Jesus never ousted him. He never pointed him out. He knew where he was. By the way, Judas is the one who controlled the money. He was the treasury. 
I'm sorry, are you all there? Hello. And then the Lord will make statements like, you know, you can't have two masters. You only have one, one or the other. Either mammon, mammon, which represents all that money can buy. Either, ma ma either God or mammon. Which one? Which one? You can't have, you can't have two masters. You'll love one and loathe the other. Cling to one or bore the other. You do have, isn't it interesting that at the Lord's table, money is still an issue. Isn't that, isn't that something? And the rest of them around that table, even though they have fears in their heart, they're not, they're not wrestling with their love for Jesus and the willingness to, to follow him, even though they saw that there may be some problems in following him. But Judas, he's sitting there, and, and he's thinking, no, they didn't offer me 30 pieces of silver to betray this man. And I don't know that I'm quite with it anyway. In fact, he's thinking, you know that woman, that woman came and had the alabaster box and poured all that expensive perfume on his feet. A year's wages on his feet. I could have took that money and fed the poor. You lying, you ain't nothing. You lie. Unless you're calling yourself the poor. It is amazing to me. Critical conversations. They are dipping their bread in the cup with Jesus as they are having a conversation. And Jesus goes, well, one of you will betray me. The one that dips his, the one that sops, that is, dip your bread, the one who's dipping his bread in the cup with me. One of you will, one of you will, he didn't say it was Judas. He said, one of you will betray me. And they went, oh. And the Bible says, Lord, is it me? They're going around to me, is it me? Oh, Lord, is it me? Because they knew he knew something about, they knew he knew something about the future that they didn't know. So, so he said, is it me? Is it me? Is it? And, and, and Judas is sitting right next to him. And Judas gets up and Jesus said, go do, go do what you would do. Go let it do what it's going to do. And he gets up. It's a Talk about the mystery of iniquity, boy. Woo -wee. He gets up and he goes. Because it has in his heart, in his heart, the real value in his heart was stuff, not relationship, not him. And it's, it's really amazing because if you could add up the, the amount of money that the disciples were going to handle in the days to come, it would blow your mind. But they never got it twisted. They knew where their value was. So he took the cup and he blessed the cup. And he blessed the bread. And they'd done this, they'd done this. This was their way the whole time of his time with them. This was, this was among Jews, this is the way you fellowship. This is common having bread and wine together. But when Jesus did, he said, he said, he changed, he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Lord have mercy. When God wants to change things, he speaks to it. He said, this bread, he said, and they're all sitting there, is my body. Whoa. And, 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 he, and he broke it. He blessed it. He broke it. And then he gave it. 
if you never got it, I said many times, I said again, you can't get the blood until you break the body. You understand? You can't get the blood until you break open the body. He's prophesying to them what's about to happen to him. And, and all of it, what all of it means is this is the price of what it takes for you to remain faithful and to receive everything I have for you. This is the price. My spilled blood, my broken body, my suffering, this is what it cost. My innocence is not just any in innocence, it's complete innocence. For there's no darkness, no sin, no lie in him at all. So when they crucified him, it was the greatest injustice ever. But because of that injustice, God in heaven, Lord have mercy, because of that injustice which he allowed himself to go through, because of that, it is the price to pay for all of your injustice, for all of your betrayal, for all of our sin, all of our, all of our misconduct, and every one of our broken relationships finds their healing at this table. No matter how deep the injury, no matter, no matter how intense the pain, no matter how heinous the sin that was committed against you or your sin committed against someone else, the payment for that sin and the restoration of it was at this table. And what it would take is what Judas did not do. He ran away. He broke from them. He was a coward. He wouldn't face what he was dealing with. Men perish and women perish because they're cowards, because they refuse to face the fact that our healing is present for you. You don't have to live in that broken situation anymore. You don't have to live under the burden of your sin. You don't have to live under the, under the, 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 the piercing of your mistakes. The wrong words you said. The misdeeds. The neglect. The unbelief. And here's what's even, here's what's even more awesome to me. Whatever someone did to you, one of the worst things that happens in, in our youth are things that those who have authority, what they do to us. You know how many people are living under what was done to them? Jesus does the unthinkable. He even has enough power in his blood and his body to forgive and to heal what anything that was done to you. Anything that was said to you, you do not have to live with the words, the negative words that come out of the mouth of those you love, the piercing words, the cutting words, the dehumanization, the belittling, the embarrassment. You don't have to live under that another day. 
because when you receive the power of his blood and the brokenness of his body you can you are free to release them you know grace was even there for Judas but even though grace is there you got to take it So well, you know, you mean you mean God? He, he, you mean tell me, uh, I, I can't keep this in my heart? Well, you can, but you're gonna pay. You can keep that pain if you want, but you're gonna pay. In fact, many are paying, and his was tragic. You're paying for something that's already been paid. You're living, you're living in that and you can get sanctimonious and right, self-righteous about it. Now, they don't talk to me that way. <laughs> I can't believe. And you know, a lot of folks around you could be suffering in relationships because you're suffering from what somebody has done or didn't do for you and now you're going to spread it to everybody else because you know bitter people, bitter people, are, are, they, they, they make other people bitter. When you're bitter, it, when everybody who tastes your life, oh God, they don't want to get close to you because they know that, that they know that venom is inside of you. They don't want to be around you. They don't want your conversation. And now you've suffered from rejection. <laughs> don't no 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 <laughs> I'm sorry, I saw that little boy talking about <laughs> nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to eat some worms. Little bitty skinny ones. Tall, big, fat ones. You know, it's amazing. Everybody is away from you because you don't taste very well. You know why some people are not married today? Many people are not married today because they carry too much bitterness from a previous relationship. And they don't want to risk ever being hurt like that again. And they are, have not had the critical conversation that has the power to release you. Uh, we, the, the, the statistics are, are telling us now that, that uh, millennials, and not, not just millennials, but Generation Z, they're not interested in marriage. They want sex, but they don't want marriage. They try to, any way they can probably, to, any, any way they can to have sex is to have a, a, an assemblance of marriage. But they don't want to say, I do. If, if you've heard that or experienced that, raise your hand and look around. Interesting. Heard it or, or if, if you know it, yeah. I want to get, well, I'm going to married. Ooh. Well, Carol and I walk in the marketplace and they say, how, been, how, how, how long y'all been married? And, I, and we go, uh, uh, we've been uh, 52 weeks. 52 years! Some of them look at us like, Lord, you poor thing. Because they think we, we, I've been living in misery for 52 years. It's kind of an oxymoron because they look at us and she's actually happy. And, well, by the way, all you married guys, they don't judge your marriage by the, expression of the, of the, that, by the facial expression of your wife. 
Let me tell you one more time. All you married guys, they judge the quality of your marriage by the facial expression on your wife. So when you're out publicly, she got a bad expression. They know it ain't doing good. You ain't doing good. All women know this, by the way. The women at this thing, they look at each other, and they can, you know, if they're married, and they look at each other like, you know, no, uh-uh, no, he ain't done, no. Ooh-wee. What if, what if one critical conversation with Jesus about hurt and pain and forgiveness, what if it could heal you forever? Oh, Lord. What if, what if realization of the power, the glory of being free I'm free to release anybody who hurt me. I refuse to live in that prison another day. Lord, have mercy. What if it all was a matter of you receiving the power of the blood? It makes sense why Jesus does not allow offense, does not allow offense. For the believer, he does not allow for you to carry offense. There are grave penalties for believers who carry offense. In fact, he said, you're going to go to demon prison and you're going to stay there till you pay the whole price. And he's not talking about hell afterlife. He's talking about the hell in life. That there's some, there's some people, they, they, they are living in that, that pain because they have refused to receive the power to forgive other people. You know why they, won't, they can't forgive other people? Because they have to be humble enough to thank God for forgiving them. And if you're humble enough to thank God for forgiving you, that humility gives you the ability to release anybody else, no matter what they've said, no matter what they've done, no matter what they haven't done. I'm talking about critical conversations. When you take this cup and eat this bread today, take it and eat it in the light that Jesus came to restore what was stolen, to restore what was broken. Choose to become a part of the healed community. It's called the church. Choose to become a part of those who are, who are, who are sweet. They're no longer bitter. Pass the test. I, what test are you talking about? Well, when you receive Christ's forgiveness of the heinous things you've done, knowing you do not deserve the grace that was given you, Knowing that, that if, 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 he was, if, he would, if he would run a righteous judgment, you would be dead. But because you have thrown yourself on the mercy of the one who died for you, he takes your place. The death that should have come to you now comes to him. And you are free. Oh, God. And how can God do such a marvelous thing for you and you not be able to release those? Y'all know the story, right? You know what the servant owed his master money? Got 
down on his knees. Please, please, get a James Brown on him. Please, 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 please. And 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 the master looked at him and took pity on him and said, "Okay, I'm gonna. Hey, you don't owe me nothing." And canceled the whole thing. I mean, he said, you don't owe me. I mean, when he said you don't owe me nothing, you don't owe me nothing. I know how much you should owe me, but I'm canceling that. I'm taking the bill back from you so 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 you don't owe me as my, as my as my friends in the hood said that booger got up right there right there he got up right there and went outside and by the time he got outside he think about so and so owe me some money Don't buy that. I'm gonna go get my money and he goes and he takes him by the throat pay me what you owe me and his fellow servant said man what you doing pay me what you owe me and they went back and told the master. We talking about critical conversations. They went back and told the master, Master, you know that one you forget? He took you with the, he did what? He did what? He called her Jody. Ain't no Jody's in here. <laughs> and he said, yeah. He said, come here. Didn't I set you free? from all you owed me? How can I do that to you? And you turn around and I'm forgiving you of your hundred thousand debt and you're not forgiving him of his hundred dollar debt. If you don't believe this, you just go to, to Luke 18. Is it Matt? No, Matthew 18, pardon me. Just go to Matthew 18 and you read what I'm talking about. But he didn't stop there. Man, the, now, 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 brother man, Jody, he's shaking. He's shaking. He's nervous. He's sweating like a, he's sweating bullets down. Yeah, he ought to be sweating. He need to be sweating bullets. He said, didn't I, didn't I forgive you everything? Didn't I forgive you everything? Yes, sir. You wouldn't even forgive him that little bit? I tell you what, I'm going to reenact. <laughs> I'm going to pull them notes out. To tell you what, throw him in prison until he pays the equivalent of what he owed me. Then he gives the interpretation. He said, "Such will be the same for you if you do not give each other from the from if you don't forgive each other from the heart." And then he says, "You will go and serve the complete sentence. Turn you over to the tormentor." you pay the whole amount you know there's some folk walking around today who are underneath the tormentors that's why you don't want to marry them because they they're bitter and they're being tortured because of their, their refusal to forgive the people that hurt them and that's their problem it's pride they love money or they love substance or they love fame they love that more than they love anything else What about this? I believe that many of us in these next few days, in, this, in these few weeks coming, we need to have some serious conversations with God. And then when you do, he will show you who, what, what other conversations you need to be having. Because some people you have held hostage and refused to forgive them. They know they did what they did. You know they did what they did. 
And as long as that offense, offense remains in your life and in your, in between your relationship, you think God is pleased with that? And what's his was crazy. Usually the persons that you hold in offense, that same person God wants to use to bless your life. So I want you to do business with God for a moment right there in your seat. And, 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 and where you sit today, I want you to examine your, Paul said, examine your heart. Examine your heart. You take this, this you drink this, no, it, does, it does not matter how deep the pain. Jesus' pain went deeper still. Everything you have suffered from a broken relationship with people, Jesus suffered the same. He knows what it means to be abandoned. He knows what it means to be lied on. He understands what it means to be betrayed by those he loved. He gets it. He knows what pain, oh, what needless pains we bear, all because we do not, what? Carry everything. And I say carry everything to the cross or to this table. Seriously, Jesus really knows. He really does. And one reason why you got to get that out your heart, because the people that God wants to save, you, you, you're the greatest hindrance to their salvation. You're the greatest hindrance to that. God using them the way God wants to use them. Why? Because they're looking at you and they, they know the hatred in your heart. And ain't no way in the world God could reside in a person who hates me this way. I don't care how crazy they were. Because I know y'all have been, I know y'all had some situations with some crazy people. Just chalk their craziness up to what Satan has done in their life. And don't forget, you can't load a truck from an empty truck. So if it was never done to them, they don't show, they show enough to know how to do it to you. And you say, well, if, if, if they hurt me, they, you know they hurt me, you hurt me. And you know what the enemy do? He will run that thing over your mind over and over and over. You go to sleep with that thing, you wake up, it's bigger than what it was when you lay, before you laid down. He will run that thing over and over and over and over in your mind until every, every time you see somebody that even sounds like, that even looks like, that thing comes up in your heart and creates a barrier in your life and causes your heart to be hard and crusty and unfeeling and you know what that's the way you treat other people and when you do that to other people that same disease runs in them Satan knows how to prolong his days by constantly turning folk against each other why the church right now is under uh, under under indictment right now because the only church God can use is the one that has been forgiven because the church right now has to be the instruments of forgiveness to those who do not know him beginning with your your people at home that's who you are his representatives who cannot be offended Lord have mercy what they that love your law will have perfect peace and nothing shall offend them what what 
That's why he wants you offended. You negate your authority and your power to change in the lives of other people because you haven't had a critical conversation. Okay, enough of that. Right there in your seat. And the Holy Spirit is such a, he's incredible. Woo he's incredible. He knows how to bring to you the ones. He knows how to bring to, you know, the, the Holy Spirit forgets nothing. <laughs> by the way, he was there when the thing happened. The Holy Spirit saw it all. And by the way, he didn't see the outward. He saw the inward situation. So he knows the motivation. He knows it all. He, 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 he was there when you were deeply wounded. He was there. So maybe what you ought to do as you bow your heads, maybe you ought to invite Jesus into that space where you're so easily hurt. God wants to make you an instrument of healing. God wants to make you a person that he can demonstrate his love through. But you cannot do it if you're still infected. And when you drink today and when you eat today, may every infection of offense leave your life. May you be inoculated against it. So by his blood, I'm able. I, people can, they, they can injure me, but I will not take offense. Pain can come, but you don't have to turn it into offense. No wonder Jesus said about, about those that spitefully forgive those. Forgive those who spitefully misuse you. What? I want you to do so so that you will no longer be in the hand of the enemy. You'll no longer be a pawn, a tool to separate people by the pain of your own personal endeavors. Today, I... I let Satan's hold be loosed from my life through the powerful, powerful act of forgiveness and repentance. With your heads bowed toward the Lord, you don't have to physically bow if you don't want to. If you can't, you got a sore neck, that's okay. <laughs> we, we're just so used to saying bow your heads. For those, some of you, though, it's, it's necessary because bowing your head is a, uh, a sign of surrender and humility. Uh, some, for some people, bowing their heads means I'm no longer dependent on my own strength. I can't get this done with my own head. I act like I'm in control of my emotions, but the truth is I need you, Jesus, because every time I see them, I writhe inside. Every time I'm in their presence, so I need you to heal me. I need you to forgive me. And I need you to fill me again with your Holy Spirit. I'm asking you today, Father, for all those who hear this word today. Oh God, pour in your wine, your oil, remind us of what you have forgiven us from. Thank you, Heavenly Father. No matter what we said or did, you still forgave us. And you continue to forgive us. 
I pray, Lord, for those whose hearts are before you today. I, I pray for the courage of having critical conversations so that you might do the work, finish the work. Thank you for putting in front of them today the people that, the relatives, the friends, the acquaintances, the people that need their forgiveness. Thank you for what you did for us, Lord. Thank you for what you did for us. You didn't hold our transgressions against us. But you released us from our sins. For this, I thank you. And Lord, I pray today that this very special season of healing and mending families would come upon every family in this house. I pray that something released from heaven would work in us that we might be the menders of broken hearts, not the offenders of, of broken hearts. I pray for the courage to reach out I pray for the, for the opportunity and the situation so that the conversation may happen. Thank you for the great testimonies that are coming forth because of what you did. Thank you for filling the house with those who are now healed. I thank you for this, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said amen.